Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, it's the sound of the future. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Um, I actually feel like, you know, we are, of course, talking about E3s from the past, this entire month. And each E3 that we've chosen is kind of like the reveal of a Nintendo console, the DS, the Wii, the 3DS, and then the Wii U. And I feel like it's actually, like perfect timing because you know we're having all these conversations right now about the next generation about the ps5 yes and about the next xbox and so we're like the tropes that we were making fun of last week in these console reveals and that they rear their head again again this week it's just so funny to see them coming up again where it's like here are like a hand like a bunch of games that the only reason anybody is pretending to be excited about them is because they're yes. like launch titles. Well, and also that like everyone believes that whatever the thing is they're putting out next is the future of gaming, <laughs> the future of gaming, and is totally <laughs> distinct from the past of gaming. Um, well, we know it's just like a big messy continuum of things changing just a little bit and then changing back. <laughs> Um, but th- th- so yes, that that is what we are up to today. Um, uh, we are talking about the uh, Nintendo's 2006 E3 presentation. Uh, next week, we are going to be talking about the uh, 2010 presentation, uh, and the week after that will be the 2011 presentation. So just if you want to like watch ahead or like get prepared, um, you can do that. Um, something we wanted to address before we get into like the meat of this show is. Uh, uh, you know, obviously there are a, a lot of things happening in the world. Uh, the um, murder of George Floyd uh, kicked off um, protests in Minneapolis and in Los Angeles and everywhere, um, and which has made the, the police respond in a negative, violent kind, um, which has been something that obviously Mark and I are both uh, thinking a lot about and trying to figure out uh, what role our show, you know, like this show is a show about Nintendo and it's, you know, two goofs uh, making jokes about video games. Um, So, you know, we're not uh, totally confident in how our platform plays into that. Um, But it feels a little bit like an all hands on deck situation. It feels like uh, the message needs to be shared on all channels. Um, so we just, not that we've been quiet about it, um, but I think we just wanted to uh, kind of be honest and open ourselves up a little bit um, to what, uh, how, how we feel and what we expect of our audience and what you can expect of us. Yeah. And I, I, I think, um, you know, Patrick, you and I have talked a lot about like how to address it on the show and the truth is that we don't really know and so you know like i we are will probably be trying some things in the future and some of them are going to work and some of it won't um but i i think that it's important and you know i think everybody should be asking themselves like uh what 
action can we be taking? Like, how can we change? How can we change our behavior? Because I think that hopefully listeners of the show, hopefully you know, like how Patrick and I feel, but like, it, it's not, feelings aren't enough anymore. And totally. so, you know, like we need, we are hoping that you listeners can like help keep holding us accountable because we all need to be holding each, each other accountable for change. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there, there are, to, to my mind, there are two like enormously big bad things happening right now. And when I say right now, I mean that they've also been happening for hundreds of years. Um, but that, uh, you know, we've got the uh, systemic institutionalized anti-Black racism and you've got uh, police brutality and militarization. And those two like awful things have uh, been like running headlong into each other for uh, decades or centuries. Um, and, you know, the Black community has been uh, great about trying to alert everyone else to what's been going on. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what makes this particular moment uh, more potent than it was before, but like, you know, I, I think a, a lot of people have um, woken up or are paying attention or something. Um, and so, you know, we just, there are only so many levers of power to pull when it comes to something like this. Um, and, you know, one of them is uh, educating yourself um, about uh, institutionalized racism and uh, challenging like your own preconceptions about white supremacy and your role in it um, and not being defensive when someone says that, you know, you're doing uh, something racy, like understand uh, when you get called out for something that uh, there's a behavior that you need to explore. Um, but one of the other levels of power that you can pull and we should all be pulling more is local government. And this is one that we really wanted to like drill down on, uh, partially because like it, you know two white guys shouldn't be sitting here you know <laughs> talking to you about uh, about race. Like there are better voices uh, saying more important things about it than than we would than we would ever be able to. We wouldn't right. have the right perspective. Totally, and I think you know like this is I have always considered myself you know like I vote in every election, all that kind of stuff. But it's made me realize like how superficial I was like. And um, how much power, like, local elections actually have. Because it's really, you know, like, we should all vote in presidential elections and all that kind of stuff. But, like, it's really difficult to feel like as a person you're affecting much change on a national level. But, like, there is, uh, my eyes are being opened to how much great work is being done on a local level that I was completely ignorant to, completely, like, blind mm -hmm. to. And it's just made me, it's made me personally feel like um so much more empowered to know that like there are all these great local organizations that you know like you, city councils control the budget for cities policing is not a national problem right like all of that is controlled on like the local level and these are all areas where we can affect change um and yeah look we realize that this is a nintendo podcast and you know, there, we will get we will get back <laughs> into it we and will there, we there will. are limits to like what we can do but it's yeah, you know, we just feel like the need to do something and we don't have a huge platform, but it's I think it's important for everybody to speak. 
yeah, again, it's an all hands on deck. All channels need to be, uh, you know, amp- amplifying the same message. And that's the other thing, you know, you, you mentioned that there are, like everywhere you look, there are organizations who are doing the good work, who are already trying to um, leverage some sort of uh, control over city council members or mayors or DAs or whatever, um, that the, the people doing the good work are already there and all they need is amplification. All they need is more bodies, more votes, more money. Uh, more voices. So, um, you know, it's it's not even that you need to start a revolution. The revolution is already there. Like, just uh, just get involved. So, if uh, you are of voting age, uh, register to vote um, uh, and make sure that you're registered to vote uh, and, you know, understand what's at stake in these elections before, you know, the hour and a half before you fill out your ballot, right? Like, understand what's happening. Um, they are big levers of power that we can pull, um, but we just got to make sure that we're pulling them in, that we're pulling them in ways that we know we want to. Speaking of uh, large levers that we want to pull, in the most tortured transition ever to the Sonic Forces borrowing program. <laughs> Look, you can still borrow Sonic Forces if you would like to. You can email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. And actually, if you want to use that uh, that email address uh, and let us know how you are getting involved in your uh, local politics, or even if you have a uh, a resource that is helpful to you uh, in your specific uh, uh, city or neighborhood or wherever you are, um, let us know. Uh, the, it's all like it's it's reaffirming to hear that people are finding those things uh, and able to uh, access them. Uh, the LA Public Library has a bunch of um, books that are free to, if you have a library card, um, that are free to borrow digitally that address issues of uh, white supremacy and um, and anti-black racism. And they are on like unlimited borrow. It's a they have an unlimited number of copies that people can uh, borrow. Uh, so that that is uh, a resource that I have been using. Uh, and if any anyone wants to share theirs uh you can write into us and we'll talk about them on the show or you can borrow my copy of sonic forces whatever <laughs> all right mark let's do it let's get into the the topic of the day let's discuss e3 2006 All right, Mark, where, oh, well, I guess I was about to say where to begin, but where to begin is that uh, a couple days ago, we recorded some predictions of what we think this uh, thing is going to be like. Let's listen to those now. So I don't know that I've ever actually seen this one before, so I honestly don't know what to expect. Yeah, I haven't seen this one before either, or if I did... Like, I have no memory of it. I remember being pretty alienated from games um, and then finding out about the the Wii and, uh, like, being excited that it was expressly a new way to play that wasn't just, like, holding a controller uh, like you always did. So I, I think... This, that's what I think this whole thing is going to be uh, centered around is um, the majesty of the controller. I think we're going to see a Wii remote. I think it's going to be strapped onto someone's wrist. I think they're going to drop it at one point and it's going to like dangle. And we're going to see the the joy, or not the Joy-Con, the nunchuck as well. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I uh, It's interesting to think that like in 2006, I think the only way to watch this was probably on like G4 or Spike TV or whatever. 
And yeah, sure. if you didn't catch it live, maybe you saw clips on like GameSpot or something, but it's not like you could just like easily stream it and then see it on YouTube. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably, cause I like, I, around this time, it wasn't that I was like checked out of games necessarily, but I didn't have a PlayStation 2. Like I was coming off of having a GameCube and I had a DS at this time. And so I was playing a lot of stuff on that, but I don't think like, you know, if the 360 was out, I hadn't picked one up yet, but this was the generation, like I was all in on like HD gaming and like, I got a 360 and like, this is awesome. And the Wii's graphics are weak. And like, that was totally me. Um, And so, yeah, it'll be really fun to see what this is like because I don't really have any idea what to expect. Uh, that that's amazing. Do you think the previous one started with like a fair amount of like, we're Nintendo, we're already kicking butt, uh, and then also here's the new thing. Do you think this is? I I feel like this is going to be right to the new thing. I think uh, at at this point, like yeah, they're putting out new uh, DS games, but like the GameCube is like old old hat at this point like i feel like they have got to be uh saying goodbye to that thing yeah and i i think you know we're going to see the introduction of that kind of like we aesthetic like uh i i maybe we'll kick off with like one of the ads where those two japanese men show up at somebody's house and are like we would like to play we would like to play uh uh-huh. like i i it is a unique era of nintendo and uh, i'm excited to see like the the start of it you think we're going to see any Mies? I think we're going to see Mies. I think we're going to see, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of Wii Sports. Um, I think we'll probably see the Weather Channel. Um, I think we're going to... <laughs> the Weather Channel. Oh, man, and like the We Ask Channel or yeah. the Survey Channel, whatever it was called. And I think, like, did they ever release the, like, black, shiny Wii? Was that, like, a real thing? Maybe it was later, but I think like, I don't know. <laughs> I think they're gonna show it off, but I think like all we're you know like we won't end up getting that yeah. one at least for a long time. I think we're gonna see Red Steel. Do you remember that game? Oh yeah, this this is uh, wild. I think we should just get into it now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. So that was mostly us pleading ignorance. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, like, can I say at the end there when we're talking about like, oh, they're gonna show like this weather channel and all that kind of stuff like yeah, could not get be into further it. from the truth we did not even learn the lesson that like i said uh th- when we were listening to the 2004 one where they were talking about the ds and the gamecube and the Game Boy advance where like these things are all about the games they're they weren't going to yeah. launch a new console by talking about you know like um the we vote channel they were going to be like Here's like we know that this is for hardcore gamers. E3 is where hardcore gamers tune in to see what's next. So we're just going to like lay on the games. Yeah. And I mean they they mention the virtual console in here but like in passing, right? Like it's none of the everything that they talked about was just games and how you interact with them. Games in the Wii remote basically. They must have like, I didn't remember this, but they must have, like, done a blowout or at least, like, introduced a lot about the Wii at TGS in uh, yeah, the 2005 Tokyo Game Show. because yeah. that, that must have been where the controller was, like, at least shown or talked about for the first time. And they must have talked about Virtual Console before this because, they, like, they mentioned it too much in passing where it's like, yeah. like, yeah, there must have been some discussion about it before E3 started. 
Yeah, that I mean that 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 is a great point. That like by the time we get into it, because there's also a bit where they are talking about uh, the name of the console and being like, now we know we've seen you printing all the jokes <laughs> about about we. Well, we that did it. that I remember for sure, and that didn't happen. To, well. Actually, I, I said for sure, but my memory is that that did not happen. <laughs> that is that that didn't happen at TGS. That like a few, it was still known as the Revolution, but then a few like weeks before E3, they released something saying that it'd be called the Nintendo Wii. I'm sure exactly for this reason, so that way everybody could like get kind of like the shock could wear off, and then they could actually yeah. talk about the thing. Um. Well, okay. Should should we now, uh, uh, before we this whole thing runs away from us, should we start at the beginning of this presentation? Uh, and because uh, the the way this thing starts and it's uh, the setting of it is all so fascinating because uh, they are conducting this thing at the Kodak Theater in in Hollywood where they host the Academy Awards <laughs> um, and you know it is uh, the stage is like kind of stark it feels very much like uh, like a concert hall right um, mm-hmm. like a big almost like an opera house right um, and uh, you know it starts with uh, Miyamoto coming out on stage uh, wearing like a full tux and tails as though he is a conductor of an orchestra with a Wii remote in his hand and then uh, playing Wii music two years before the game is actually announced. Yeah, so it, it's it's interesting because multiple times in the presentation they into it like they kind of like hint at Wii music but they don't actually like there's no actual announcement of it um so he comes out and on like the screen behind him are like me sitting in an orchestra pit and they all have like instruments but and he's conducting the legend of zelda theme song and it is it it, it's a prototype at least of Wii music because um it's actually because it sounds bad (laughs) it sounds bad and it's really funny that this is what they would lead with because all of the like shortcomings of the Wiimote and like of what yes. Wii music would be are like on display where it does match his rhythm but in that Wii weird like Wii music way that when he slows down it like is like somebody it just doesn't sound right right and and like you can tell that it's not like hitting every single one of his beats like with a with the kind of precision that you would really want it to have um and mind you you and i reviewed Wii music on an episode of this show i don't know how many years ago a long time ago um and we sort of enjoyed our afternoon with it however we had one afternoon with it and like that that was that right (laughs) um and i believe we paid a dollar for it is that right (laughs) Yeah, I think we de- determined, and I still think we're right, is that Wii Music was ahead of its time. Yes, correct. Um, and uh, it would be so much fun if it uh, worked better. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's uh, the fact that we're seeing Wii Music here and it's not actually being like revealed as Wii Music um, is sort of a pattern that we'll see throughout. Because we'll see you know little bits of um, Wii Sports Resort and Wii Play without them being like named as separate games um and that that's sort of confusing too because a lot of those are like mini game collections um and it seems like they don't even have the mini game collection for wii sports nailed in at this point and this is just a couple of months before launch well yeah uh yeah i mean because like at the end they like formally announce wii sports but um but they announce it as a a collection of tennis baseball and um oh i wrote it down uh because it was very strange to me 
They announce it as a combination of tennis, golf, and baseball. So they don't mention boxing, which fine, like no one, the, the boxing barely worked, but bowling isn't, they don't mention oh, the yeah, bowling. Yeah, that's a really good point. They don't show it at all. And that ended up being really big. They also show off in a montage in just a little bit, like an airplane game that I think like didn't I show up Wii until Sports Wii Resort. Sports Resort. Um, yeah. but, and so when, for Wii Music, like during that same montage, they're, they show people like conducting music like Miyamoto is but like for these other games they're showing gameplay for Wii Music for those like segments they are showing the actions of what you would do in Wii Music but they are not showing any footage of Wii Music there is also a dude during this like opening sizzle reel who has two Wii remotes and is using them like uh, <laughs> like he's playing a drum set that's how it like which starts. you cannot do oh, but, <laughs> you cannot oh, do I don't want us to get too far ahead of ourselves because the way that this so Miyamoto comes out he conducts the Legend of Zelda um like Wii music version it's wonky not that exciting but then like yeah. in the most uh like early 2000s radical way then he turns around and like two dudes are on an elevated platform and they're playing uh like uh oh um excite truck and then red steel and then and Miyamoto is like down at the front of the stage kind of like dancing to that yeah, yeah it, which is just really amazing um and it is it, it... I, having not seen this presentation before tonight, um, would not have guessed that we would see so much Excite Truck. <laughs> it's in every montage. Every trailer montage includes too much Excite Truck. <laughs> Which, did you ever play Excite Truck? No. It, it's, it's actually pretty fun. I'm surprised that nothing like more came of it um, or that they like uh monster games didn't make like a follow-up or anything but um yeah. yeah it's really funny there is so much that and like so much uh red steel yeah well we'll get into red steel when like there's the the full deep dive on it <laughs> um but okay so after this is a real uh, uh we are joined on stage by reggie fils um of course who is our like master of ceremonies for this uh and again reggie great super charismatic guy um no, like he's still bringing a little bit of like a uh, an an aggro energy, um, but the presentation itself is a a little bit more aggro than I was expecting it to be. Even seeing like the little like the eyes uh, that form the name We like jumping onto the screen, they're like cold and metallic and gray, um, and like I like I wonder if Nintendo just like hadn't quite figured out that like no, you just need to commit to being a friendly looking brand. So, yeah, I, I, it's definitely way toned down from 2004. Like, I think after yes. the DS, like, they feel, like, less, that they have to prove, like, less. Um, but it, I, I do still think, but like... But there's still a chip on their shoulder, to, right? Absolutely. Like, they still have something to prove. And uh, I do think you're right that, like, they're at this weird juncture where they're not quite at, like, 2008 level e3 levels of like we're yeah. all in on like it's all about families and like that kind of stuff um it's still a little bit of like we're all about the hardcore gamer uh it, except we're also talking about how like the future is not the hardcore gamer yeah it's it, it's a it's a very mixed message um you know uh, reggie saying things like uh if you wanted the next generation you're in the wrong place um and that the new games are not uh not just about looks um and that game playing is is not to be confined to the few um 
And, you know, they, they keep leaning into this uh, playing is believing uh, I- imagery, right? Like over and over again, um, it's not what the game looks like. It's how the game plays, uh, which feels so weirdly apologetic before they're even really showing you what the games look like. I, I mean, I think they knew for sure, right, that like they weren't yeah. going to beat the 360 and the PS3 on graphics and that that wasn't their strategy at all. And so they had to frame the conversation one way. I'm trying to, I was it here or was it somewhere else where Reggie talks about where he's like, look, uh, um, like, you know, do you know anybody who hasn't seen a movie or who hasn't watched a TV show who, or who hasn't seen a book or hasn't read a book? Like, no, you don't. But you do know people who haven't played video games. And if we really want to be a mass market medium, like, uh, everybody should be playing games. And, like, that, I think, is, like, the most, was, like, one of the most effective things that he says where you're like, yeah, that's crazy that not everybody plays video games. Yeah, so that's that. That's actually after um, uh, he 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 addresses that like kind of after this um kind of second sizzle reel, except it's like a long slow sizzle reel um that uh you know we this is where we see uh, the first footage for um we music like we said excite truck um but also Super Mario Galaxy uh, in passing uh Wii Sports Resort and Metroid Prime um like they're clearly trying to like engage the the hardcore fan base um. And then there's also, uh, like I said, uh, something from um, We Play, and even a little bit of WarioWare, but without the context of letting you know that it's mm-hmm. WarioWare. Um, and then just like the the briefly throwing up uh, the the graphics for for Zelda, um, and again, not really revealing what it is yet, um, but and, also and showing off like the the fishing mini game, which I hate in Twilight Princess. There's the part yeah, in the opening of that bad. game where you like have to fish in order to like get past it and i for whatever reason i remember that being so frustrating the the fishing and the like goat herding were both like just too hard (laughs) and uh the the goat herding you have to do late like at the very end of the game um but the fishing you never have to do again Um, okay, but yeah, so then, uh, like, Reggie comes out of this, uh, this thing, and, uh, he makes a callback to the, uh, the 2004 conference, and, like, you know, people were surprised when we showed off the, the DS and about how accessible it is, and then last year, people were surprised, uh, with Nintendogs, um, and, you know, people were like, huh? Um, he's, <laughs> his, his quote is, really? <laughs> he does my favorite, like, I love Reggie's, like, the way that he presents stuff when he'll do things like yeah. last year we showed the Nintendo you're like two years ago we showed the Nintendo DS and people said huh huh <laughs> last year we showed the you know Nintendogs and people were like oh really well now we're you know like just like really like sticking it to people yeah and this is and this is where like i think he's sort of structuring his argument of like because we're going to get into, like, stop making fun of the name, guys. <laughs> like, we know. We get it. Um, but, like, yeah. And then this is this is where he brings up, like, you know people who have not played video games. Um, they, you know, uh, they, they, there are audiences um, that you idiots in the crowd are not considering, and we are. Um, uh, and then Reggie's like, okay. So uh, he's really, like, I- identifying this, this new market. Um, and he brings up four talking points. <laughs> which go on like a, a dumb slide. And he's like, we're going to talk about wh- how it's different, 
the when it's uh, what it's cost and what when it's available the we'll talk about the name and what kind of support it's getting from uh internal and external developers and i do want to talk a little bit about like this philosophy that they're laying out like we saw it uh, a little bit with the nintendo ds where they have to like explain the ds and like the two screens and all that kind of stuff and we get that with the wii but i think this philosophy is really interesting because you know with the I, honestly, with the success of the DS, the Wii, coupled with like um, the like smartphones taking off and like app stores exploding, like we take they for were granted right. now that like every, yeah. exactly that like everybody games in some form or another. But that is so not true before the Wii comes out. Yes, yes. I mean the the Wii got, and I think even even now like. There are parents and grandparents who still have their Wii's and still play them uh, fr- from time to time. Especially that Wii Fit, like I that 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 that's a a crazy thing that they had uh, zeroed in on. Um, and it's just Nintendo was right, you know, <laughs> like they they just knew what was happening. Um, and you know, uh, Reggie brings up that like that's uh, he says Nintendo's way is to challenge conventional thinking. Um, and it is, uh, so wild to think about, uh, how the Wii was a revolution. Like the name was right. Um, even if it wasn't what like game fans thought they wanted. Um, he also brings up Mario 64 and about how, uh, it wasn't the way that game looked that made it so remarkable. It's, uh, how it played and how it like offered a new way to interact um, with software uh, and w- with hardware, and that this is really just the uh, that philosophy of Nintendo's uh, carried on into like a, a new extreme. Basically, saying we've been doing this forever. Like even if it looked like it was a conventional game, we were doing something different differently. Um, this isn't new. This is this is what we do. When he when he talks about the name, he's like. We want to thank those of you who wrote good things about it the first time you heard it, both of you. Um, he really he really sells it because you're right. Like people didn't hate it, the name of the Wii. Um, but it's it's funny how like now you wouldn't even think twice. No, well, and it's it's so distinctive as a brand like Wii. Um, and you know he brings up like, did you like Lexus the first time you heard it? How about IKEA? How about Google? <laughs> it's, it's again like and it's you know how reggie communicates that he's got like a little bit of that like posture and a little bit of like machismo but it is really funny to be like hey you didn't like these other names probably i don't know <laughs> and also like it, it matters so little at the end of the day yes exactly um and and in fact so the first time someone told me that that it was called uh we um like it's stuck in my head cuz like you laugh and you're like what what are they thinking but then you never forget what it's called and it it really is you know and he like mentions it like the perfect name for this system because you know he says it's the system for we it's the system for all of us uh and yeah. i think for sure it turned out to be that he also calls it the sound of the future <laughs> and the sound of inclusion too. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I, 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 he doesn't mention it here, so maybe it, this isn't the place to bring this up. Um, but that uh, we is also um, easy for easy to say for uh, native speakers of any language, mm. um, and uh, that there's no there's no chance to translate it. It's always going to be we. 
GameCube. Like you maybe want to call that something different in other languages because uh, the words game and cube exist. Um, and you know, ditto Nintendo 64. There's a number in there. Super Nintendo, like all these, every other uh, game system, even Xbox has box in it, PlayStation, like all of these things uh, either need to be translated or appear to be uh, foreign in other markets. Uh, whereas the Wii is just the Wii. It always looks like that. It always sounds like that. You can't translate it. Wow, that's really interesting. I hadn't really thought about it that way. Uh, let's see. I guess that's... Uh, oh, and, and then uh, the, the question of uh, who is supporting this? What kind of software is there? Uh, then we launch into another video of uh, first and third party um, develop, uh, titles that are in, in development here. Um, and this is a doozy full of games that <laughs> do exist, do not exist, and do not exist in these forms. It's a total... It is absolutely... I was... Uh, taken back to the early 2006 when uh or like 2007 when you had a wii and you were like looking forward to these third-party titles like necronesia or um you know like all of that just like random stuff that i had not thought about for years it's a who's who of who cares yeah it is definitely a who's who of who cares um I mean, but, you know, they, they start it with uh, Metroid Prime 3. Um, there's some Dragon Ball thing. Uh, they show off a Fire Emblem game. There's a ton of games in this list, and I, I wrote most of them down. Um, but uh, And a lot of them will, will come up later. Uh, there's a Sonic the Hedgehog game in this uh, sizzle reel that is uh, labeled as um, Sonic Fire or something. Wildfire. Uh, wildfire in this trailer and then later uh it's labeled as uh hypersonic uh-huh um and then i think it's the game that eventually came out as like sonic and the legend of the rings or something like that um yeah so you know we're, we're getting like really early versions of a lot of stuff well it's also i think um, the, fir the yeah. first time in this presentation that we see disaster day of crisis which um yes. i had to like i re i remember that game because it didn't come out till 2008. It came out in Japan and in Europe and never came to the US. I was doing some research today and apparently Reggie like thought it looked stupid and cheap and like a joke. And he was like, All, we can see how it does internationally. And if it does well, we'll bring it here. But otherwise, there's no chance. But I didn't, I forgot that it was developed by Monolith Soft. Yeah, so uh, we we get a little bit deeper look at um, uh, Disaster, Day of Crisis, uh, Project Hammer, Hypersonic, Final Fantasy, Crystal Chronicles, uh, and some others a little bit later uh, in the in the presentation. So um, uh, you know maybe we can just move past the like sizzle reel here, and we'll get to a more in depth conversation about all of those uh, with the more in depth video. Sure. Yeah. The only thing I want, the only one I want to call is like watching the sizzle reel, like we said, was like great. Cause it like was such flashbacks to that Wii era games I had forgotten about like, um, Elibits, which, you yeah. know, was like a Konami game. Like when I saw that it, it, yeah, just like remembering washed over me. Like I was in, like I was uh link in breath of the wild where it was just like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was a thing. Wake up Mark. <laughs> Um, and th you know this whole thing ends with uh, the reveal. I I don't know if this is like the the first time that we're actually seeing Twilight Princess as Twilight Princess. Um, but you know Reggie is rolling out the red carpet here and is like, this is he says by far the best Zelda game we've ever made and also the most beautiful. Which is so funny because like 
I think even then, you know, people are like, wow, this is really muddy looking. Um, and the, the character design in that game is comically horrific. So yeah. <laughs> I just don't know, especially coming after Wind Waker. I don't know that anybody would call it the most beautiful game. But uh, no, so like Twilight Princess was known a known entity at this point. Um, it kind of had the uh, um, Breath of the Wild type thing where it was announced for the GameCube um, and was like pushback, pushback, pushback. So I think this is the first time it was announced that it was coming to Wii and that was going to be a launch title. But mm. it was for Twilight Princess as like Twilight Princess was for sure known at this point. Okay. Well, and there's also a, a pretty big pop when uh, Reggie says, uh, you know, for a pop from the crowd that uh, that the game will be launching simultaneously on the Wii launch day on both Wii and uh, GameCube. People seem excited about it, it being uh, in both places. Uh, and then Reggie's like, now we've got uh, Nate and Bill from Nintendo of America to premiere Twilight Princess. And it's Bill Trinan. <laughs> Baby Bill Trinan. Baby Bill Trinan. Uh, Trinan. Um, and, you know, it's it's a, a, a demo of Twilight Princess, um, which I don't... I could have sworn... That you they they say that you uh, swing your sword by pushing the the B button on the Wii remote. Don't you attack by swinging? The, yeah, the remote. I think so. So they, that means that this because the the game and the system would be out in five months, and they not all of the controls are locked in at this point. Well, it's also interesting because well, so they. Uh, they're showing off the controls and everything and how intuitive everything is. And I will say as much as like, I don't love the Wii controls because you do have to swing the Wiimote yeah. to like attack. Like it is very intuitive. Um, like you understand what to do, um, which is pretty remarkable. But uh, he talks about, they talk about how like the nunchuck also has motion controls. And I feel like that yes. is like a gross misrepresentation of like the, um, uh, what like the nunchuck could actually do right that the, the nunchuck really just knows when it's being moved and that's about it <laughs> like it can tell like oh someone's shaking me um in in this video they say uh that you can parry with the shield by uh like thrusting with the uh wii remote that would eventually be a, a move that's in in the nunchuck that you uh like just kind of uh, gesture with it which again is all the motion it can actually read it knows that it's being moved period that's <laughs> they it. They also um like uh show off the speaker in the Wiimote, which gets big applause yes. because again, we take it for granted now, and I had even forgotten that the Wiimote was the first controller to be released that had like a speaker in it. Yeah, and they refer to that as the depth of sound. Um and yeah, you're right. People seem really into this idea. Um, I guess until you hear the like ultra tinny quality of that speaker, you don't know that you hate it yet. <laughs> <laughs> that that's one of those features that like was always uh way lacking. Like it you can recognize the sounds, but like they never sound good. I mean, it was for sure the Wii's uh, 3D rumble, where you're like, this is going to be used to launch titles and then probably either forgotten about or never well used again. 
Yeah, except like when I get a big, when I get like really big rumble in like the HD rumble, uh, like when I'm catching a particularly big or rare fish in Animal Crossing, I have that moment of like, whoa, so, like something is really happening here. Um, whereas like when I'm playing the Wii and the speaker starts making noise, I'm like, oh yeah, I had to turn that down. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to stop. Um so you know that we just get a little bit more like a demoing of um Twilight Princess. Was there anything else from that demo that stood out to you? No, not really. Um I do like Bill giving uh the the other guy a hard time where he's like you're the only guy in America who's played this game and you can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can't take these guys out. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, c- coming out of that, um, uh, Reggie starts talking about uh, freehand control. Um, I think this is the first time that he uses the, the phrase freehand control, but he'll use it a couple more times uh, th- throughout while talking about um, uh, the new Metroid game, Metroid Prime 3, and uh, Mario Super Mario Galaxy, um, which are you know they they show just sort of um like little trailers for these uh with reggie kind of talking over them saying that you know they have new abilities and blah 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 blah. can i tell you Um, how much mm -hmm. joy seeing super mario galaxy brought me um yeah i it really just reminded me how much i love those games and you know like i don't know i guess it had been a while since i watched footage of them and it just made me really really hope that those rumors of a remaster are true because i yeah. would love to replay galaxy yeah and to to that point too like seeing metroid prime 3 again i mean and, and we had just seen metroid prime 2 uh in last week's uh, uh e3 presentation um and seeing both of those games like makes me want to play them but like I do, I need a way to play them on a, in HD, and oh, you know, with just like dual stick controls. Um, but yeah, like seeing both of those games, uh, like made my heart hurt a little bit. For like, when are we gonna be able to play those on Switch? <laughs> I feel like they're both coming soon, but we don't know when. Um, but so that's when Reggie's like, but those are those are old games. How can we be new if we're only if all the names are old? Um, and he's like, "All right, we're hard at work on some new franchises, and here they are." And the first <laughs> one is Excite Truck, um, which uh, you know I, is is a part of the Excite Bike trilogy. So he, like, okay, kind it's right, new, like, I guess. But it's like, yeah, none of like these are all new franchises that hugely failed to launch. Yes, exactly. Uh, and again, weird to hear Reggie say that uh, holding the Wii remote is like holding the steering wheel, quote, of a big damn truck. <laughs> and Nintendo could be edgy. They use language worse than we use in this show on a regular basis. It's true. Um, and then the second game is Project Hammer, which famously was never a game, never released in any form in any region. Um, yeah, so the, the Project Hammer... Um, was developed by NST, Nintendo Software Technology, which is like a Nintendo, one of Nintendo's few like development houses, first party development houses that exists in the United States. Um, they also made, or at least worked on like Metroid Prime Hunters, 1080 Avalanche, and Wave Race Blue Storm. Um, but okay. I, I think this really kind of like changed what nst works on or worked on i i guess i'm not even sure that they enti- i'm not entirely sure that they exist anymore 
But apparently, like, around the time that they were working on this and eventually got canceled in, like, 2009, but that um, the the internal reviews at NST showed that they had, like, Nintendo's lowest company morale scores. Like, I think it was just a really wow. rough time for that division. Um, that... It, it's it's a shame, but it's also like it and Disaster uh, Day of Crisis are both games that uh, seem like they are not uh, they're not fitting they're not playing the game that Nintendo is playing uh, everywhere else. Well, right? okay. like totally. I so I just want to read this part from the uh, um, Project Hammer um, uh, from the Wikipedia. From it, it it was from an article that was published in Nintendo mm-hmm. Life. Um, but basically, it says that uh, the developers blamed the game's failure on the culture and racism of Nintendo Software Technologies' senior Japanese leads, who the developers reported as ignoring their input on the cultural interests of the game's Western market. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, I, I, I had never heard that before. Um, well, so R.I.P. Uh, H.A.M.M.E.R. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, we never saw you. And uh, like, you know, you, you walked us through a little bit of um, what uh, Disaster Day of Crisis uh, was and how it, it never came out here either. Um, so I, the, it's, it's just so funny to me that like two of the three new Nintendo franchises that they're talking about here uh, never never come out in north america and then the other one is like a one and done but let's all like yeah. let us remember this as these new consoles are being announced like yes <laughs> like you'll see games that you'll never that will never come <laughs> out and games that will like disaster doesn't come out until 2009 um and then and december of 2009 i believe 2008 no, no, no I'm, think. I'm i'm thinking of another i'm thinking of a different game um uh and yeah so the games will come out way later or they won't come out at all or they'll just come out in japan um so or they'll like, be bad no one knows or they'll doing. come out and be or, so or be bad. bad um so this is when we uh move into third party games like big third party games and the first is this hypersonic which again uh was pre the name changed from like 15 minutes earlier <laughs> when it was sonic wildfire um, although i guess like technically you know like didn't Sega like commit to releasing five Sonic games on Wii? Like it was like a huge like agreement and deal. So maybe oh, they yeah, are two different games that changed title. Um, yeah, that's true. Because I guess like colors and you know there the, there were a couple for sure. Um, but I mean the the game that Hypersonic turned into ended up being a multi platform release anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, uh, which I did a little bit of research to try and figure out what this game is because it's not the game that's being re-released on Switch in August. No, this is um, Crystal Bears, game, right? Yes, this is a game that was uh, eventually called Crystal Chronicles of the Crystal Bearers, and that game doesn't come out until December of 2009. And, so, <laughs> and Reggie yeah. calls this, when he's announcing it, he's calling it the Mothership. Is a, he says the Mothership is about to land. Because it was a big deal that Final Fantasy was back on a Nintendo platform and that it was like a sequel of sorts to Crystal Chronicles is perfect because Crystal Chronicles was like the weirdo GameCube title that like five people played. Do you think in any way he's trolling mother fans here, though? <laughs> no, that, 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 that's Reggie of like four years from now. Sure, sure. He's not quite that jaded yet. <laughs> um, 
then uh, then we see uh, Madden 2007, uh, uh, the Tony Hawk game that we're also going to see a port of on the DS. It's the the downhill jam, right? The, the, those aren't well regarded games, right? No, I I don't think so. Um, and then uh, Rayman. Um, and did this game come out? I think this turns into Rabbids. I think that interesting because um, the first Rabbids game that or the first game that featured Rabbids, I think was like like Raymond's Rabbids and then yeah. eventually the Rabbids like the minions um just got like more popular got than the character thing, itself yeah. so they got their own thing although the footage that they show if not on this mon- montage in the first one of like this Raymond game is so hilarious cuz it's clearly like a really rough mock up and so like Raymond yes. looks like he's like teleported in from one game the Rabbids are all like they don't have texture really and so they look like especially monstrous it's really funny um and then at this point uh reggie's like hey we're not revealing our launch day lineup right now but there are 27 games that you can play on the show floor at this point i'm wondering uh were they counting like we tennis and uh we golf as two separate games like probably right right probably yeah um and then this is where for me the show uh slows to a glacial pace <laughs> and uh they bring out two dudes from ubisoft uh who are uh, going to demo red steel for a while mark so, what's your experience with red steel i i i never played it um uh. i t- for sure remember being um like thinking it looked cool because wow it's like a nintendo platform and here's this like game that's all about holding guns gangster style and you know like um like that sort of thing uh because i like i said in the when we were doing our um predictions i was all in on like that 360 you know like give me bald space marines so yeah um yeah, like I, but I've never, I never played it. I never picked it up. But it all, but like I remember reading, you know, in like Game Informer or whatever, like all the previews for it. Yeah, and it, it, it is. It's so weird after hearing the way uh, Reggie is talking about games to hear these Ubisoft guys. They're talking about like explosions and real time physics and uh, the details and the graphics, um, and like really kind of talking up the AI in this game, like. They're they're talking about it in such a traditional video game way, um, you know. They they do pay a little bit of lip service to like you'll feel like both of your hands have entered the game, and that like one is swinging a sword and the other one is shooting a gun. Um, but like it's uh, it's amazing how much it just didn't seem like uh, Ubisoft was in the same place as Nintendo. Uh, and it's funny that watching this now, like I did not care about this at all. Yeah. Yeah, like zero percent of me cared cared about this at all. It's uh, uh it's a uh, I I feel like Zombie U is a weird echo of that. Um, you know, uh, almost a decade later, of like Ubisoft doing like a very early um game that's like tailored to that platform and is like too dark and too violent and doesn't really get what's special about um the the hardware and just being kind of a bad game. I like that Ubisoft is there for all of Nintendo's launches, though, like taking big swings and being like, yeah, we're yeah. like all in on this. Like, we're really going to try um, the uh, th- I, I, I think you're right about Zombie U, but I feel like it's even more egregious with Red Steel because 
you know, Reggie just got done talking about how, like, it's not about graphics. It's like, that's the past. Like, that is not what we're about at all. So then to have these guys come on stage and that's, like, all they're focused on, especially when they're talking about this stuff. And, like, even for the time, it wasn't very impressive. It just, yeah. it, it feels, like, incongruent with the, the rest of what's going on in the presentation. Yeah, the game doesn't show super well. Like, and I, I think they have technical difficulties too. Yeah, they, he apologizes that, it for it at yeah. the end. It's not something that came through on the stream that I was watching, but it seemed like they lost picture um, at, at 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 one point. But like, there's a there's a, a firefight, and uh, the player like kind of takes cover behind like a crate or something, and you can see that there's like a poster or like you know a bill of you know some something on it, and it is like the most low res graphic that like you know th this texture that is just like incomplete, <laughs> um, and so like the, it just it just doesn't look. Uh, they, it just doesn't look good. It just doesn't look good. No, I mean, you know, like as much as, you know, I don't care all that much about graphics anymore. It is so funny to see what like human characters look like in that era. Because <laughs> yes. we see it in Disaster Day of, Day of Crisis. Like some of my favorite games, you know, like Resident Evil 4 are all from that era. But like, you know, like there is something to uh, these human character models gain a little more realism in the next generation. Absolutely. Um, so at this point, they're like, all right, enough we for now. We got to talk about the Nintendo DS, which means George Harrison, still not a member of the Beatles, <laughs> is out to... What is his title? Do you have that? Uh, nope, mark? I didn't write it down. But again, he's like the uh, something like SVP of marketing or something like that. It's something and like that. I, th I don't know this for sure, but... Um, uh, you know, he comes out to do what he did during the uh, um, DS presentation, but just with a little bit less charts. Like, uh, it's less businessy. We continue to see that evolution from like a trade show to more just like a present presentation. Um, but it's not. It's not without like the business jargoniness. This is when they start to say uh, Nintendo's long-held strategy of disruption. Um, and it was this just the era of disruption that we were talking about uh, disrupting markets and disrupting technologies and stuff? Oh, sure. I mean, it's for sure still there. It's just like less and less. And I think it makes sense that like, a, you know, a year or two after this, George Harrison would no longer be at Nintendo because like, not that that sort of like role doesn't exist in Nintendo anymore, because I am for sure it does. But it's just like, yeah. that is no longer the public face of nintendo like he he sticks out in this presentation compared to with like all the other executives as somebody totally, who like totally it doesn't really like fit in the what i wanted to call out because i don't think they've used it before george harrison shows up is like this there's a like a a, a hatch or something in the stage that pops open like the stairs in the monsters and like he like comes yeah. out of it like herman munster and i right. just thought and it was so funny like, what, a, what a weird thing to sh like wait for like halfway it, a lot of comes out of it later but you're just like oh this like stage also has like this weird um like contraption um, he and he, so he kind of starts talking about the DS's performance versus the the PSP. Um, and it, it there's a little bit less swagger in his step as he talks about it, um, than there was uh, two years ago where he was like, Nintendo owns the handheld market. No one else even comes close. We've buried more challengers than you even <laughs> know exist. 
Um, and yeah, so in, in this one, he's like, so they're both pretty good. Well, it's so weird because like he has like very specific numbers for uh, the DS, obviously. He says 16 yeah. million in 18 months, which the Nintendo DS Lite had not been released in the US at this point. That's they right. said it was coming out in a few weeks. And that makes sense because to me, 16 million in 18 months is not that impressive, you know, compared to like what we've seen yeah. other consoles do. Um, Especially other handhelds. Yeah, but like, right, like the the DS is on the cusp of exploding with the 3DS and, or excuse me, with the DS Lite and like the uh, touch generations that he's going to talk about a little bit. But he, he compares that, those concrete numbers, and he says like, the PSP has sold millions. Like he doesn't have exact numbers for what the PSP had sold. Well, so it's weird. He says the PSP has sold millions less and then repeats millions less. Um, so does that mean it's sold 14 million copy like you know yeah. like it's 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 a uh, he is being like really soft with with uh the psp numbers does mention that 16 million copies of nintendo or sorry not 16 6 million copies of nintendogs has been sold which is huge um that is an absolutely remarkable attach rate uh more than uh one in three um uh ds players had nintendogs um which is uh cool and weird um he goes on to talk about the uh the wi-fi play the the i forget what it's called the uh ds nintendo online whatever it is yeah i think it's like wi-fi um, connection yeah that's right um and he says that is the most successful network dedicated to gameplay can that possibly be true for 2008 i think so because again like if, if the 360 had for 2006, like, the 360 yeah. had, I'm not even sure it had launched yet. And so you had Xbox oh, yeah. Live, but, you know, like, I don't even know if that counts as being dedicated to gaming. So I think so. Like, again, the numbers here are not, like, startlingly great. It's, like, 1.2 million um, people yeah. have connected, uh, which just tells you, like, you know, where the uh those services were in 2006 absolutely um and and so then then harrison sort of pivots to like um exactly what you were saying mark the the touch generation um with brain age was and uh, brain age had either just come out in the states or was about to come out in the states um the it had obviously been big in japan sold uh five million copies uh and then i grabbed a little quote here over a third of them over a third of the players are over the age of 35 so last week um we were talking about them noting uh that it was like players over hold on i'm gonna over the age of 25 and now over the course of two years have moved those goalposts back by 10 years right like they they are seeing uh, an like an exponentially wider audience um just in in the in the course of, of two years time we also get a shout out of for clubhouse games on ds which is part of touch generations <laughs> just perfect timing yep. with the release of clubhouse games on switch um and then also uh, a, a sudoku game which harrison pronounces as sudoku <laughs> <laughs> 
it must have been before people were saying uh, Sudoku all the time. Um, but it, it's just funny to hear him um, stumble over that. Um, and then is like, yeah, the DS Lite is coming out in just a couple weeks. It is smaller, lighter, and brighter. Um, you know, Mark, you and I have both said that like this is where we join uh, the the DS uh, as as a platform. Um, and the, uh, no, no, I mean are... to be, I I had a OG DS. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Not me, baby. <laughs> Waited for I was life. part of this 16 million in 18 months. <laughs> but I ended up oh, buying God. like five different DS lights or DSIs. So that is crazy. I cannot imagine doing that now. But like I like picked up every spe- like Zelda special edition. It was nuts. It yeah. was out of control. I mean, I think I've purchased three 3DSs. Is that right? My original 3DS, the 3DS XL. And then the or the new 3ds XL. Wait, have I purchased four? <laughs> I've owned a couple 3ds's. Um, uh, so then, then uh, we're sort of uh, using this as a transition into uh, new games that are coming along with the uh, DS Lite, including New Super Mario Brothers, which was uh, one of the first DS games that I ever played, um, and is is kind of a trip to see as like something genuinely new. Um, cause it's been revisited so many times now. Um, they talk about Pokemon mystery dungeon and then, uh, there is, uh, like a card that they flash up on the screen, uh, which reveals Yoshi's Island 2, Star Fox DX and Diddy Kong racing. Uh, none of these games are detailed in any meaningful way. Um, but the crowd likes this tease. They like seeing Star Fox DS, Yoshi's Island 2 and Diddy Kong racing on a slide. Which is exciting. Um, it's too bad that like Yoshi's Island Two sucked. Um, D- Diddy and Kong that Star Racing Fox is- DS isn't great, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like Diddy Kong Racing is really the one that of these three that turned out well, and that was essentially just a port of the uh, N sixty four version with like a little less content, uh, a little less content, and a little bit more obnoxious. Um like interfacing with it at the beginning of every race there is like a a tiny little um like mini game to get like the boost off the start Mm. um and it depends on what uh what vehicle you're in there's one where you have to like blow for a sustained amount of time on the microphone there's one where you have to like twirl the propeller for a little while and i forget what the other one is maybe it's you have to just like you know, push the tires or something. And so it's like touch, 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 or blow, 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 blow. And then like throw the stylus down so you can use the buttons. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was a mess and I wish they could have uh, patched those out. But there was no patching on the DS. So uh, never mind. Um, we get the uh, the Final Fantasy III um, remake on, on DS uh, with its 3D graphics. And uh, it's it is a weird thing for... Uh, whoever's leading the president is probably still Harrison at this point mm-hmm. um, to be like, yep, the, here's a, a legendary gap in the final fantasy, uh, you know, oeuvre uh, final fantasy three, which like is not one of like the, like we, ne- we didn't get it in the States, but like five is, you know, <laughs> like five is one of those games that people would have been like clamoring for. Well, I, I, I think you're selling like the reveal of three a little bit short because the fact that it was never released in the States, like at least I anyway, I anyways would remember being excited for this because it's like, oh, wow, that's like really cool. Like we're finally going to see Final Fantasy three um, here in the States. Not, you know, like obviously it was a complete remake and very different 
from what yeah. the NES game would be, but I at least anyways was very like excited for this. I, I suppose five had been released on PlayStation at this point. Um, so yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then Tony Hawk Downhill Jam uh, again the, the, this time on uh, the, the DS. Uh, they make a note here that you could chat over voice. Yeah, that you could do voice chat with, with voice over IP, which blew my mind. Um, yeah, is that's that real? Crazy. Was that real? I, could I it don't do know. That? <laughs> uh, yeah, it must have shipped, I assume. But uh, yeah, that's nuts. Uh, something that you still can't do on Mario Kart without <laughs> a, an app on your phone. Um, and then the the reveal of uh, The Legend of Zelda, The Phantom Hourglass. Yeah, question mark, or because they don't spend much time on it. And so I feel like this is another thing that must have been shown off at TGS or something. Um, that makes sense. They got like a bigger blowout because it's such a weird thing. You would think that if it was the reveal, they would do a deep dive into like how it controls and everything. And so the fact yeah. that we don't even really get footage makes me think that it was something that had already happened. Um, and then there is a sizzle reel for the 3DS with truly awful music behind it. <laughs> um, uh, this features uh, Mario th- uh, Mario Hoops 3-on-3, three three, which I believe was actually called Mario 3-on-3 three three Hoops. Uh, <laughs> just like moving the words around a little bit. Um, Star Fox D- <coughs> DS, which would be Star Fox Command, I believe. Um, New Super Mario Brothers, Elite Beat Agents, Yoshi's Island 2, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, Diddy Kong Racing, Phantom Hourglass, Big Brain Academy, Mario vs. Donkey Kong March of the Minis. Um, and then like the sizzle reel ends with like mom making the kids put their game away. <laughs> I wanted, It's a weird I, moment. <laughs> I wanted to point out, so with each of like the montage, each game has like the title and then a couple of bullet points that go with it. And the one that like I wrote down because I loved it so much was the one for Pokemon Mystery Dungeon because the bol- bullet point is just you are Pokemon. <laughs> oh, that's so affirming. I love it. <laughs> uh, and then, so then we, we're done with the, the DS at this point and this is when Satoru Iwata comes out, president of uh, Nintendo of America. Another Herman Munster moment, like the stage like yep. flips open. Um, like a switch kickstand, and uh, Iwata comes out from underneath the stage. And there probably wasn't a fog machine going, but it felt like he was <laughs> he was emerging <laughs> from backstage at a rock show. Um, and uh, this is when he like kind of just steps out, and like there's a little bit of like a hey, let's let's get real moment, right? Like he doesn't uh, take a chair and spin it around and sit on it backwards, but like he might he may as well because he's about to lay out. Um, how how they're doing what they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing, and how the Wii represents everything that Nintendo is now. Yeah, you realize how like important this moment is because it really is like Satoru Iwata, the president of Nintendo, like laying out the thesis statement of this generation, where he is like, "Here is why we are doing what we're doing." And when he's saying it, it's like. I don't know. I was struck by how like compelling it is. You're like, yes, this makes so much sense. Like what you're doing makes so much sense. How, how compelling it is, but also how like risky it is, um, and and how much it is. You know what? Not what the other companies were doing. He's talking about reinventing the relationship between the gamer and the game. He's talking about bringing back lapsed gamers and uh, bringing in people who've never played games before, um, and that like. 
you know, the the DS and the Wii are just two different Im- implementations of that, um, and that like they're going to reach uh, markets and consumers that everyone else thinks are impossible to reach. And again, at this point, that was accepted. Not like there were no iPhone games. Uh, not everyone was playing Candy Crush. Um, so like they really were trying something uh bold and ambitious uh and there was no way to know if it was going to work or not and it's interesting like he really delineate like he goes down and like drills down into the functions of the Wii as a system and how you know like they really thought about people's relationship with games and then how to reflect that in the way that the Wii functioned like he talks about how um you know like even as somebody like himself who loves games, like games tame, take too long to get to gameplay. Like that is something yeah. that he like straight up says. And he's like, that is like something that we, that they're going to try to address. And that with like virtual console games from the minute you selected, like you'll be able to launch into it immediately. But you know, you could see that kind of philosophy in the games themselves that Nintendo would create where it's like, yeah, like how do we um, minimize tutorials? How do we minimize like all that kind of stuff? And how do we just like get you into the game as fast as possible? And some of that is also just like accepting the the lower power of the system, right? And being like, oh, well, we're just going to have these me's be the characters. Um, they're not uh, high poly count uh, characters. Um, they can be loaded quickly. These environments can be loaded quickly. Um, yeah, it's it's it, it's it's fascinating uh, to hear. And at one point, he says, um, "A game like Tetris can be feasible once again," um, which I think is just because Tetris, you know, truly is one of the, especially on Game Boy, um, is one of those like everyone can play this, everyone wants to play this. It is for it is a four quadrant game. Everyone wants to play Tetris, and it, their goal with the Wii is to make more Tetrises. It's also interesting because, you know, um, he talks of, or in the predictions, we were saying, oh, yeah, they're going to show off, like, the Weather Channel and all that kind of stuff. And they don't talk about that at all. But what he does talk about is, like, how the functions of the Wii are, like, built, again, in mind. So he talks about Wii Connect 24 and introduces this idea of, like, your Wii is always connected. And so every day we want there to be something new for everybody. And that your that like your your console could be in a standby mode, and it would alert you when there was new content. Like, I think this is the first system, like the first home console with like a standby mode where you would put it to sleep and not like turn it off completely. Yeah, and again, this is something that they don't bring up uh, in this presentation. But the Wii was also um, like remarkably good. Uh, at uh, not drawing too much power, um, especially compared to the other systems um, that like, you know, a, a PlayStation 3 draws a lot of power and, you know, you have to turn it off because otherwise it's going to keep drawing like way too much electricity. Um, whereas, and he goes out of his way to mention this in, in this presentation, that when the Wii is in standby mode, it's drawing as much electricity as a small light bulb, right? So like, um, they, it's just, it's the little things that they're thinking about that like, if other companies are thinking about it, they're not talking about it. They're not presenting it. Um, 
Although I do think it was uh, interesting and a a tad disingenuous to say that, like, uh, you know, while you're sleeping, if a a play uh, a publisher wants to push like a new weapon or a new level or something to uh, to your game, that they can do that. Games were notoriously hard to patch on the Wii. Um, If you wanted, there was like a a place where you could get trapped in uh, Metroid Other M, um, and you would have to send your uh, memory card into Nintendo so they could manually fix it and send it back to you. So like there, w- it could not be patched that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and of course he ends this, you know, like his presentation by basically introducing like, what is this game that can bring hardcore gamers and like these new gamers or laps gamers like together? Like what's a game that everybody can play that we can all play. And of course it's Wii sports. Yeah. And uh, again, just to reiterate, he only says, he says this is a combination of tennis, golf, and baseball. Um, No mention of boxing and notably no mention of bowling, which again, I don't even think we see in this presentation. Um, uh, And so uh, then, uh, you know, Nintendo has evidently been uh, like planning the stunt for a little while where they uh, had a sweepstakes with their friends at AOL. to uh have three like regulars uh regular people non-journalists whatever in the audience uh to come up uh, on stage and one of them would be able to play um uh, a, a doubles match of uh Wii Sports with Reggie, Satoru Wada and Miyamoto um and so that's how this thing goes out is uh by picking someone's name from an envelope uh Miyamoto gives a little like drum roll with his voice uh it's adorable <laughs> And then they play tennis. Yeah, the whole thing is so endearing because you like each of them get like a me that of course looks like just like them. Um, you know, uh, Reggie comes out and brings uh, Iwata with him to be his doubles partner, and he's like, "Mr. Iwata, maybe this year I can just take the names and you can kick the." Of referring to like when uh, Reggie said, yeah. "Yeah," but like, and uh, Iwata goes, "Yes, of course, that is my job," and it's so like fun and endearing. Um, I, you know, like watching this, I was really struck just like how much today we take for granted in like the age of touch screens, how approachable gaming can be, how like anyone from like a two-year-old to, uh, you know, like a grown adult can now with like touch screens with a phone, just be like, yep, I get this. And in 2006, that was not the case. And how remarkable it is and still is that like, the DS and the Wii were so approachable that like you could give a Wiimote to like your grandma or your grandpa and they could play Wii sports with you. Like, yeah, like I felt like such like fondness for this era because, you know, like when I was young, my mom would play the NES, she would play Mario, but then growing up like Mario, you know, Mario and Tetris were like the games that she would play, but that was pretty much it. And it wasn't until the Wii came out that, again, like, I could play games with my mom, like, that's, or my dad, who, like, never played games, like, that's magical. And that's something that, I like, I, the Switch has maybe captured that a little bit with the Joy-Cons, but it's just not the same. Like, that era was so unique for that reason, and I kind of missed yeah. that part of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, you, like, you're 100% correct, and, like, you know, it's it's something that, like, you can see Nintendo sort of uh like uh engaging in some of that still like you know the switch launched with one two switch 
which uh, one of our very early uh, episodes was me reviewing that with my parents. Um, and, you know, it's it, it was it's tough for them to, like, wrap their minds around uh, some of the things that uh, the Joy-Cons could do. Um, but, like, they had fun. It's just, like, I, I feel like 1-2-Switch doesn't go quite far enough to be, like, simple and, and accessible. Um, and then, you know, something like Clubhouse Games... Um, it is uh you know another another swing at that like hyper uh hyper approachable um game collection uh and it just it it does it does make me wonder if there's ever going to be a Wii Sports again you know uh, on on a Nintendo platform yeah i mean really like watching this presentation was so much fun but the thing that really struck me about it is like how correct Nintendo was where they were yeah. were like like a hundred percent that there was a huge audience out there that loved games. If there was just an opportunity for it to be approachable and for a way for them to like get into it, that wasn't intimidating. Cause you think about it and it's like a, a game controller is so intimidating. It's not in so many buttons and it's not yeah. intuitive at all. You know, like a uh, dual analog controls are not intuitive. Keyboard and mouse are not intuitive. Um, so if you just give people like an opportunity to play games, people loved video games. The part that Nintendo could never foresee is that, like, uh, phones would fill that void. And so Nintendo had to, like, evolve again. Yeah, and we'll get a little bit more of that uh, next evolution as, as we talk about the the next couple um, presentations. But I think we're going to see a lot of missteps in those as well. Um, you know, I, I love my 3DS, but it was not a great system when it launched. Um, and, you know, I love my Wii U, but mostly because I'm a contrarian. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of the last things that Reggie says on his way out here is um, what's hot is the feel of the game, not the look of the game, which is uh, sort of the whole presentation uh, in a nutshell. Um, Mark, do you recommend this is a long presentation. It's over an hour. Um, do you recommend that uh, Nintendo fans that NCS fans uh, watch this thing? I, I, I do. I still think it's worth checking out. You know, we we still haven't reached the kind of like zany uh family oriented presentations of 2008 like this is still you know like a um nintendo is still focused on they're expanding the market but they're still like, focused on the gaming market as it exists in 2006 and i think it's you know just like the 2004 ds um i think all of these are going to be worth watching just for the like capsule and time that they represent yeah and i i think this one so clearly states like the ethos of Nintendo, um, and especially like the ethos of Nintendo for this time. Like I, I don't, I don't know that watching any other um, presentation from any company really at any time are you going to get this clear a statement of a company's philosophy or like what their goals are and how their goals are different from everyone else. Cause everyone kind of just has the same goals otherwise, you know, <laughs> like, Oh yeah, let's make games that people want to play. And you know, yeah, maybe PlayStation now is doing, and I mean, PlayStation at this moment in time, not the service <laughs> PlayStation now um, is, you know, developing games that are accessible to, uh, you know, audiences of all levels of familiarity with games. But like, that's because Nintendo and the iPhone uh, already demonstrated that that's a, a market that's there. Um, Nintendo was way ahead of the curve on this. And uh, like they, 
I'm sort of bent the curve, you know? Okay, uh, let's close this out. All right, so that's how we felt about the 2006 Nintendo E3 presentation at the Kodak Theater. Again, <laughs> it's crazy that they did this thing there. Um, but we would love to hear uh, what your reactions are. If uh, you'd like to participate in the conversation with us, you can always email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. And let us know, uh, you know, if we got anything, if if we totally missed the mark on something or if there, you know, if you have a copy of uh, Project Hammer somehow. <laughs> you don't. You don't. Stop lying. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter. Um, we appreciate that uh, tremendously. It helps us a lot. Um, on Twitter, I am at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is, is provided by Apipetti. You can get more of his music by going to apipetti.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers welcoming in the sound of the future and saying thank you for listening. My name is Will Hines, and I am a ghostwriter, meaning I write other people's books for them. And I have a podcast called I Will Write Your Book, which are recordings of my meetings with my eccentric clients, such as a woman blocked after one sentence of a children's book about her dogs, a romance novelist who dislikes sex, and a man proud of having sampled everything in his local grocery store. This podcast has been described as fully improvised, played by some of the best comedians on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. That's I Will Write Your Book on Campfire Media. Campfire. <laughs>